0: Good Thursday, everyone. Welcome to the ballquist.com mailbag podcast brought to you by our good friends at Blue Water Climate Control with Austin Price and Rob Lewis. I'm Brent Hubs. Don't forget about Blue Water Climate Control's free furnace deal. It's back in this month of February, February only. They're giving away only 20 furnaces with complete system installs. It's first come, first serve. How much will you save? Well, that's the best part. Normally they cap the savings at a thousand dollars, but this time there's no cap. So if you've been waiting and wanting that high efficiency system with all the bells and whistles, now's the time. Give them a call at 865-299-2290 or you can go to bluewaterclimatecontrol.com to book your appointment online. They'll come out give you a quote on your new American Standard Heating and Air System and see if you're uh, eligible to get that free furnace deal. Again, that's for the month of February only. Time is running out, and they're only doing 20 of those giveaways, so be sure and check them out at BlueWaterClimateControl.com. Guys, plenty of questions to get to in this mailbag edition of the podcast, so we'll jump right into them. We'll start with Bronco Vol. He wants to know, hey, it's early, and I know there are unknowns, but what you see will be the major needs in the class of 2022, Austin Price. What are the needs for this team? I know they got a lot. Where do you put the priorities for the needs in this roster, given what we know about the new coaching staff now? Um, quarterback. <laughs> quarter-
1: quarter- quarterback, cornerback, too, defensive back. Um, but I just don't think Tennessee's real deep there. I mean, I, I do think they're – there's some talent in Tennessee secondary, but I think they've got to add a lot of more depth. Um, that's why I thought the loss of Keyshawn Lawrence was so big. Uh, don't think you know they'll take running backs. I don't think that that's necessarily something they have to have, but they'll take some. They'll take re- receivers because there's a, quality, a lot of quality receivers in this um, in, in this recruiting class. Um, but I would go O line, D line, defensive back, and quarterback as the main ones, just because you never can go wrong with the line of scrimmage. I think there's legitimate need in the secondary and
0: then also at a a course quarterback, no linebacker talk. Yeah. I got to put linebackers in there too. I mean, that's the, that's the thing you got linebacker. I'm with you, Austin, a quarterback's a must. You got to have a, I don't want to say a franchise guy, but you got to have the guy you're going to build around in this offense corners. They're woefully thin at the corner position to the point that you got to be looking at transfers just for this season uh, but then, Rob, you got to get home off the edge with a pass rusher, and, and you know linebacker depth is a huge issue uh, in, for this upcoming season. So you know you got to replenish that in, in 2022 as well. I mean, I think the bottom line, Rob, lots of holes, lots of needs.
2: Yeah, and I, I mean, I see, and I see more on. I mean, quarterback aside, I see more of those on defense than than, than offense right now. I mean, like AP talked about the secondary, linebacker, and and do you have anybody? Coming off the edge, I mean, is Tyler Barron or Morvin Joseph are they going to develop into disruptive forces? But I mean, that's and if they do,
1: and if they do, that changes things, Rob. Yeah, I think
0: Yep, you're absolutely right. Uh, I mean, and I agree with you, Rob. I think defensive needs. That's not to say they don't have offensive needs because they need offensive tackles. Obviously, they need a quarterback, as we talked about. But they've got to me more holes to fill or lack it more more lack of depth, if you will, on the defensive side of the ball than there is on the offensive side of the ball. Austin, do you want to give any more details about the Jameer Johnson, D'Angelo Gibbs brawl that you brought up in the podcast? That's what CL. I mean, see, that's like the, know. you know,
1: I, the, the,
0: the, I just know that they had a good, good fight.
1: Uh, a former coach that was not here, that is not here anymore, of course, or none of them are here, but, uh, you know, who's, who's at a, you know, one of Tennessee's biggest rivals or. Oh. No. Rival, <laughs> broke it up. You know, I, Hey, listen, you know, it, it is what it is. Every team Everything. has their squabbles and spats, and that you know, was more just funny than anything else that somebody brought up how, how
2: ballsy is D'Angelo Gibbs giving up 100 pounds? And, and what is it about Tennessee, a program where, where defensive backs take on linemen in the locker room? It seems to ha- it seems to happen frequently. <laughs> Do we, th- we think
0: Jameer Johnson fell on a helmet? <laughs> Ouch! All right, let's move on before we deep down dive into any more of those rabbit holes. We'll go to VFL twenty 20- forty two ninety seven. Seeing a lot of positive buzz on social media and on the board regarding the hire of Scott Altizer. Can you go more in depth as to why this is such a good hire for Josh Heupel? Also, any other thoughts you may have on the staff? I, I-, I think overall. From a recruiting staff standpoint, I, I do like what Josh Heupel's got done. I think there's, a, there's and one thing I like about it is it does have a Tennessee flair to it, which I think is important, Rob, because you got to know how to recruit to Tennessee because recruiting to Tennessee is different than it is other schools. Every school has its own nuances, uh, but Tennessee's footprint in recruiting is a little bit different and understanding that footprint and understanding how to recruit to Tennessee, uh, I think is important i think the thing that you've seen with scott altizer one he's a good talent evaluator has been for a long time but the reaction on social media was from former players which tells you the respect he has and let's face it rob the old guard some of them aren't here and some of them are getting older so who is your bridge to the past that you want to try to tie into your future you better have somebody that can do that and what better way than to have a guy who was here and a great run in the nineties and the early two thousands. Who's also an East Tennessee native that knows a lot of these former players. I think that's why you saw the Twitter love that he got when the news broke.
2: I mean, that's, that was going to be my first response ever was like what, what you saw from, from former players who were here when Scott was, you know, kind of running that, that recruiting department. And, um, I mean, I mean, just track record speaks for itself. I mean, you look at the the late '90s, early 2000s. I mean, I'm not saying that, that he's the reason all those guys came here, but he's he found a lot of those guys, and not just the superstars either. I mean, I mean, you remember the story? One of one of his greatest finds was Arian Foster back in the day. You remember, I mean, like Randy. I mean, this is I'm not trying to throw shade on Randy Sanders, but and I can't I can't even believe I remember the kid's name. But Randy was recruiting the. The quarterback from San Diego, uh who no, that was Arizona. No, Kovachek. Yeah, yeah, he, oh, yeah. yeah, wow. yeah. Richard, up, how a, about that pull, pull guys? How a about pull. Pull. That's a hell of a pull on a third But, but oh, remember, me, he was a he was a year older than Arian, and Randy had gone out there to like watch the quarterback, and Scott was watching tape of the quarterback, and he was like, Whoa. I mean, they, they were they were playing, I think he was playing against Arian. They, they weren't on the same team. And Aaron was I mean Aaron was a recruit he was a three-star guy he was on you know a lot of pac 12 teams radar and Scott was, was like whoa you know what about this running back and uh, I, if I recall the story Randy was like ah you know I don't really remember he's like, and Scott was like well maybe I think we need to go take a look at this kid I mean that, that's that's the best Altizer story that I remember but just I mean he got it so well respected son of a son of a football coach long time you know his dad long time oh, coach, Carlos. At, at Austin Price's alma mater, Morristown East, but just I mean, an East Tennessee guy that you know just bleeds orange. Who gets more recognition when they go to East, Austin Price or
0: Carlos Altizer?
1: Oh, Carlos Altizer, he's a legend. I'm I'm a never was. So that that, <laughs> that, that 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 that's a that's a definite and, and, and one and, and one awesome teacher that everybody loved.
0: Let, let me ask you, Austin, about just the recruiting staff in general. Do do you do you think do you feel the same way I do that? the fact that it does have a Tennessee flair to it from an on-campus recruiting director standpoint uh, and and other things helps Tennessee. And and that's something that was a nice move by Josh Heupel to get a Tennessee flair to it. Or do you think that's a little bit overblown because recruiting is obviously different now than it was when Brandon Lawson was here previously, or Scott Altizer was here.
1: I I don't think it's, uh, how do I put this? Their impact is not overblown um i don't you know what you know putting out the new i mean like most people aren't gonna like if you say trade johnson's coming to tennessee the common fans like who is trade johnson right but the impact of trade johnson and or brandon lawson and or scott altizer or whoever else to me is is you know maybe not seen or felt enough that it should be like um you know I, so I, that's kind of where i'm at like you know i don't think that, like you know i don't know oh, because he's got these but these guys to me understand the tradition understand the landscape and so they can look at a guy like let's say jerry mack you know who's from memphis but hasn't coached at this level and or at tennessee and say hey here's something you need to know about this they can look at a guy like cody burns and say hey this is something that you know it, you know they've done here in the past had success with it you know yada 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 so um, I think that their their impact will be far greater than maybe, you know, you know, I guess the the initial like, oh, they, they're getting a Tennessee guy back in here. I, I think that their impact is, is different. Interesting. All right. Um, to
0: Bridgeville we go. And all you got for
1: me is interesting.
0: Yeah, that is interesting. I, I mean, I, you know, I think it's good. Well what do you want me to say? It's the greatest, it's the greatest point ever made by a Morristown East graduate that should put a statue up for you in Hamlin County for that comment. Bridgeville wants to know <laughs> would it help the basketball balls to try some zone with teams like Alabama and LSU style of guard play, Robin
2: I, I totally think so. And I, I I know for a fact that they practiced it on Monday and Tuesday because they were shorthanded, you know, because they they had three guys out for contact tracing. And I know from talking with some some people around the program that they they, they practiced it. The person I talked to thought they were going to play it on Wednesday against South Carolina, and then what do you see Rick do? Not going to play zone. <laughs> <laughs> it's not going to happen. I mean, they, they spent a lot of time, from what I was told, on Monday and Tuesday practicing the zone. And maybe it was because, you know, they got the three guys back who were out for contact tracing, and, and Rick didn't feel like he needed to. But, I mean – to me, I mean, you, you win a game by 20, and that last – you know, the last – once you get control – I mean, it was touch and go, you know, a little bit there, first ten minutes of the second half. Tennessee didn't really get a handle on it. But but once you go up – Tennessee went up by 14. Or, yeah, 14 with eight minutes left of the game. You know, why not, why not throw it out there and, you know, play it for four minutes with your guys and, and see what it looks like. After you spent, you know, an hour on combined Monday and Tuesday practicing, why – you know, why not? Give it a look. But he, he just won't do it. I mean, he's – I mean, I say this affectionately, but even he, he's just hard-headed. I mean, he's, he, he hates zone. He thinks it makes guys get lazy. Um, I mean, he thinks – I mean, I, I've talked with him about it before. I mean, he thinks that if you're like – you know, if you're Syracuse and you practice it and that's your DNA, then, yeah, you, you can play it. But if it's a wrinkle and, and you just, you know, spend 15 minutes a week on it in practice and you throw it out there, he, he thinks it makes you, you know, a worse rebounding team defensively. Thinks it makes guys, you know, kind of lose their edge defensively. But no, I mean, I, I'm, I'm with the poster. I, I don't, I don't know. I, I wish they would do it. I mean, I think it would make it better. I mean, and again, not full time, but yeah, have that in, in your pocket where you can roll it out there and play. But as you mentioned,
0: it's not in, not in his DNA to to do, and it doesn't appear like he wants to do that. Um, you know. Just, Moving on to moving on to the next one here, Austin. For you, so now that it's been a couple of days, any insight into how this defensive staff may come together with the final two spots? Yeah, yeah. You know,
1: I, I don't. I mean, I think a lot of it depends on you know how what, what do they do? They do a four four, four man front, a three man front, you know, and and how the defense is laid out. Uh, to me, is a big uh, determining factor on how they'll spend the last two spots because if they roll a four three you can just say okay rodney you got the d-line we'll go hire a linebackers coach you know um, you roll with willie and banks in the back end and then you hire a special teams guy
2: you know who maybe hey, who i know you can help in other areas i know you love this this angle so i want to run it by you any chance of al wilson and eric berry joining this stuff <laughs>
1: <laughs> um <laughs> no I, I don't see that but uh I think there's a chance for uh, Raynock Thompson and uh, Steve Johnson. Bill
0: Cart. One name that we have checked on, I don't think there's anything going there right now, but it would be just at least a tie, Austin, is a guy who was a GA at Tennessee years ago by the name of Larry Knight, who was here when Willie Martinez was here. Interesting, Larry Knight played for Tim Banks at Central Michigan and GA'd at Central Michigan with Tim Banks. He's now the defensive line coach at Georgia Tech, but he's been an outside linebackers and a linebackers coach uh, before at temple and some other places. I don't think there's anything going on there, but what you do when you try to figure out who somebody might be is you look for somebody who's got a tie and, and that's somebody who has a tie to Tennessee. I, I, again, nothing is brewing there to my understanding and talking to people. Don't know that anything will. Does he have enough experience at the linebacker position that you would, you would want to go that way? I, I don't know, but you know, you start looking for guys who has tie, who have ties in some way to Tim Banks.
1: Well, and again, are they running a four-man front or a three-man front? Right. If you're running a, th- a three-man front, maybe he could coach outside backers, which are pseudo-defensive ends. Um, if you're running a four-man front, do they go the old route that, that John Chavis had when he was calling the defense from the linebacker spot and you had Steve Caldwell with the ends and Dan Brooks with the tackles? You know, or does Banks become a walk-around and they go Rodney, um, you know, with, with, with D-line? Coach X with linebackers, Willie Corners, and, and you know, another coach of the safeties, I, I, or, or just a special teams coach. I think there's a couple of different, you know, uh, options you have here. Um, I think the only way that Nick Toth is on the staff is if they decide to go that route and, and have a special teams coach, because he can actually help assist outside linebackers as well.
0: All right, let's go to the next one, AP. Let's talk some Ty Simpson. You knew this one was coming. If Tennessee's making a comeback in his recruitment – Why would he not delay it a month or so and give himself more time to get to know Hypo and make sure he's making the right choice? Would you say the Vols are surging the last 24 to 48 hours or just hanging in enough to make it interesting?
1: Hanging in enough to make it interesting. I would not say they're surging. I've never said Tennessee was the team to beat or the leader. Now they were going to be the pick had Jeremy Pruitt still been here. And I get the comments of, wait a minute, he's going to play for – Jeremy Pruitt in that offense, but he won't play for Josh Heifel in this offense. Like, I get that comment. I totally get it. Um, You know, but it all comes down to relationships. And then Jeremy Pruitt had spent so much time on Ty that that the relationship was, you know, way deeper than just, you know, what everybody else's relationship is with Ty. Um, So uh, I don't think that he's going to delay the month because, you know, everybody's coming off the board. Alabama and Clemson aren't going to wait much longer. And so if you delay it a month, you might as well just go ahead and pick Tennessee next Friday. That's my opinion. You know, I mean, Clemson's going to move on. If you delay it past next Friday, they're going to move on. They already started contacting quarterback out of Texas. Um, You know, Alabama's, you know, they've offered like eight or nine quarterbacks, but they're only sitting on one. That's Ty. Um, So, you know, I, I think that, when push comes to shove it's got to happen sooner rather than later and uh i think tennessee did get a weak reprieve we'll see what he does um again i i'll say it for the 400,000th time it's head versus heart and i think that's the easiest way to look at this is the head knows that the you know the smart pick is not tennessee and it's to go with the two teams that are perennially in the uh, in the in the college football playoff and have won national titles and the heart wants tennessee because that's where he feels most comfortable and that's the place he loves the most but you know this is going to be interesting to see how this plays out and uh, see where things go. Cause I know Clemson feels good about it. I know Alabama feels good about it. And, uh, and I think Tennessee is more optimistic now than they were, you know, just two weeks ago. So um, we'll be interested to see how this plays out. I do know this, he's going to have a lot of people at his announcement next Friday. I have a feeling that a lot of them are going to be rooting for Tennessee and, uh, We'll be interested to see how that plays out if he doesn't pick the balls. Side
2: note, I was gonna say side note for me too. It's gonna be the biggest head versus the heart decision since Catherine Price decided.
1: uh, She knew uh, she she knew head was not
2: I was not. I think she went with the heart. I think Catherine Price went with the heart.
0: (laughs) Side note to to football. Not side not (laughs) I'm not going down that other road, but side note to football. That the NCAA says the dead period extends through the month of May, helps or hurts Tennessee, Rob Lewis?
2: I mean, I think it hurts them when you've got a, a brand new staff. I mean, not not that anybody has seen anybody face-to-face in, in a year, but, you know, at least they've been, you know, talking, you know, the narrative that they've heard from, you know, say Georgia, Alabama, you know, old Miss or whatever. I mean, they, they've been talking to the same people about the same things. For, for a year, whereas Tennessee's got a new story to sell. So, I mean, I think it hurts Tennessee.
1: Oh, I agree. Yeah, I, do I, I really do. I think it hurts Tennessee a lot. I mean, how much different would things be if they were having junior days right now? You know, because you can start having junior days at the end of February, first of March, if, if, you know, players from all over this state and surrounding areas were able to come in here and spend time with the staff and see the staff and get a feel for the staff. How much does that ease the concerns about everything with Tennessee? I think it it eases it a lot. Instead, you're depending on Zoom calls and things like that, and I just think that's a that's that's just a tougher ask. And and you know, kids don't want to wait. Everybody goes, "Why don't they just wait? Why don't they – Because kids don't want to wait. Because right now, in every kid's mind, because they can. I mean, think about it. They were going to open it, but then they delayed it. it then they delay it. We're, going, oh, we're for sure. Over here. We got the vaccine going. What have they done? They delayed it again. So every one of these schools that are having success are sitting there saying, hey, they're not going, they're going to keep delaying this because they're, they're, until this is totally gone and everybody knows it's not going to totally be gone the first of June, you know, until it's totally gone, UCLA's going to keep pushing this off. Well, kids want to get their spot much like they did a year ago. The same thing happened a year ago. Everybody jumped in there and got their spot outside of the select few and they just held on for the ride. I think it could be going on. Same thing could be going on this year. Which would hurt Tennessee.
0: Yeah, I agree with you both on that, uh, on all points there. Next question How do you think Fulmer will be remembered, a beloved coach or an AD that ran the program in the ground? Here's where I think that is. I think on the short term, uh, Philip Fulmer is going to take plenty of criticism for um, Jer- the hiring of Jeremy Pruitt, the NCAA stuff, and the monitoring and all that. I think over time, people will go back, Rob, to 45 and five national championship. And uh, a heyday in the '90s that that Tennessee fans would relish, and, and it may we may never see again. I think over time it goes back to the coach. On the short term, I think he takes criticism for his work as an athletics director.
2: Yeah, I I, I totally agree. I mean, big big picture. I mean, the the best football coach Tennessee's had in my lifetime won a national championship. You know, as you mentioned, forty five and five, and I mean, yeah, he hired Jeremy Pruitt, but I mean, people. People in the know know that he didn't have a lot of choice in that. I mean, once the the people that the power players that put him in position to get the job wanted Jeremy Pruitt, and and, and he was also just caught in a hurricane of dysfunction with the administration at the time. I mean, was he a good AD? No, but he was a great football coach.
1: Uh, I, I, in my opinion, I think way more people are upset about the fact he's going to take $37,000 a month for the next three years than they are the fact that he hired Jeremy Pruitt. I think most people are going, okay, it's one thing to maybe even get paid through the end of 2021, but to be getting paid for the next couple, you know, for the next three years, that's a bit ludicrous, you know, because, you know, at some point, you know, you've made enough money off the university of Tennessee. That's all the comments that I've continued to get thrown my way. And I think they're justified. I think at some point, You know, something should have been met in the middle and, and, you know, it would have said, you know, hey, I'll take money for a few months, but not for three years.
0: On to the next one. Who do you see being the leaders on this team? How big is it that A.J. Artis is still here and why? How surprised were you with the Jay Graham tweet? Are fans making too much of it? And what is your go-to post-game restaurant in Knoxville? Let's start first with leaders on this football team. I'm going to say this. I'm going to get this one started here. I think it's hard to say who the leaders are because you don't know how the staff changes go for somebody. And I'll give this example. I don't think anybody saw Nick Revez being the leader, one of the leaders of the Tennessee defense under Monty Kiffin when Lane Kiffin was hired. Sometimes a fresh start for somebody with a new coaching staff changes kind of who your leaders are and who they can be because somebody has got a new lease on life. Okay. that they, they, they're, you, you know, it's a fresh start for them, and, and they're kind of off and running. I think Alante Taylor's trying to be a leader, wants to be a leader, Austin. But in terms of who are going to be the leaders on this team, I think that's an unidentified um, – I think it's an unidentified group at this point in time.
1: Yeah, I mean, you see the, the people that, you know, Tennessee's pushing Tyler Barron out there on social media. We'll see, you know, who who materializes as, as, a, as a true leader on this team. Um, and maybe that is Tyler Barron. Um, you know, maybe that is Alante Taylor. I think Alante has it in him, you know, it's just about being more consistent as a player, you know, um, and, and, and being on the field. And I think because Tennessee's lack of depth there, there's no doubt he's going to be a major factor in the secondary going forward. Um, offensively, I do wonder who that's going to be, you know, because the quarterback position is not going to be settled. The running backs are all inexperienced. The receivers are relatively all inexperienced. Bayless Jones and Cade Mays probably should be, the two leaders on the offense, but I'm not sure Bayless is real talkative. Kate is. Um, we'll see if he can uh, materialize as a, as a, as a leader on the offensive side this fall. All right. Next question two. AJ Artist still
2: things here. Players love here? this guy.
1: Players love him. Players were big advocates for him. I think they're even a little bit unsettled that they still brought in the guy from UCF to kind of split the duties. Um, but yeah, I, I, I think that's a big.
0: Jay Graham tweeting about Alabama, Rob overblown, or one of those things where Jay Graham probably had a, I'd have, I'd a would I'd, have, I'd have review that tweet before hitting the send button.
2: Uh, I mean I, I have a hard time getting getting real fired up about it. About you know anything on Twitter. I mean I'm well I'm sure you know, I mean I I, I, I get Tennessee fans response, but I mean to me it's it's kind of a tempest in a teapot.
1: Well, I, I I'll tell you what I told him that there was no juice in the or to the squeeze there. And, you know, he 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 tried to tell me he didn't mean it the way it came out. I said, don't matter. It came out that way. So like, I was like, that was dumb. It was just plain dumb. You know Um, what that said, you know, I've, I've seen responses to tweets that he had sent since he'd gotten to Alabama, you know, with people calling him every word under the book, racial words. This was what before yesterday. And so I, you know, that's the problem with Twitter is is you know, people hide behind their handles and, you know, no one, nobody's ever going to get to them and they just
0: say stupid stuff. So, you know, it is what it is. As Rob said, Twitter's Twitter. My go-to post-game restaurant is the Crystal on Millertown. That's a number one with two apple pies. That's my go-to post-game restaurant. Guy wanted to know. That's where I stop on my way home most of the time. That's four crystals, no cheese, fries and two apple pies. Nice. Um, <laughs> I'm sure everybody wanted to know that. If you had to bet one way or the other, do you see Neyland Stadium as normal operations or limited operations next fall? When do you think a final decision will be made? Um, I think the hope is that it's full capacity, but at this point in time, nobody knows. And, and I think if anybody says um, otherwise, then nobody has any idea of, of where this thing's going to be. But I, I think the hope and belief from uh, everybody who needs that money, who's looking for that financial benefit of a full stadium, are hoping that there are full stadiums uh, throughout the fall, um, you know, in, in sports. Uh, regardless of what that sport is. It,
1: I think a lot of it depends too, Brent, because like, I, I, I've told some of my friends this. I just think that a lot of corporations and or organizations, uh, you know, universities, any of those, you know, those type of things are going to be slow to just open it back up. They're going to be more guarded with just turning it loose. I think it's going to take somebody, whether it's a particular school or a particular organization or a particular whatever, taking a chance, and then once one person does it, to me there will be a domino fall of people that open it back up and full. I don't think you're just going to see this, oh, okay, the vaccine's out. We're good to go. You know, I think it's going to take Fauci saying something or something to that
0: effect. Rob, uh, PGA Vol for Life wants to know, why specifically was Kevin Steele never considered a legitimate candidate for the defensive coordinator position? Um,
2: what's up there? I mean, I, was, I mean, don't you think that it's just – nearly an impossible situation for, you know, for a coach to come in and, and be asked to retain a guy, you know, when he when you start from scratch and I mean, and there's a, you know, a 30 year veteran of, of the coaching profession in the building who was hired by an athletic director that just got fired. I mean, I, I, I mean, this one of the weirdest things ever to me. I mean, why, why they hired him in the first place, just so you can slap an interim tag on somebody for 10 days. I mean, I, that, I mean, and I and I have tremendous respect for Coach Fulmer, but I mean, of all the things he did, that that was one of the most bizarre. I and mean, it cost, cost the University a million bucks. I mean, I can see. I mean, I don't care what his qualifications were. I can see why Josh Heupel was resistant to to that and wanted to hire his own guy.
0: Yeah, I think that's what it boiled down to is that it just a comfort level there, and that's not to say that Josh Heupel dislikes. Kevin Steele, but it's a comfort level. Kevin yeah. Steele, knows, he knows everybody surrounding the University of Tennessee.
2: And was, was, was a finalist for the job three years ago. Right. And, 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 and wanted, palace, an, interview,
0: and wanted but, an interview for the job this time.
2: And led a palace coup to get Gus on fired at Auburn a month before he landed in Knoxville. I mean, I, I think it's a no-brainer why Josh Heifel was re- resisted to that.
1: Ding ding awesome. ding ding ding! If you had palace coup in your ball
0: quest bingo, you win. Uh, Austin, in the two-minute drill, you commented about having a good group of running backs. Seems we've lost quite a few running backs. So, would you review maybe rank who Tennessee has at that position? What do you like about the running backs?
1: Well, I, I, the previous staff loved Jabari Small, um and and felt like he was going to be a real playmaker for him going forward. And and which is funny because you know he they wouldn't take Jabari Small for the longest time. Not you know that was before Jay got here. That was more the previous, you know, it was really more Jeremy than it was anybody else. Jeremy didn't really want to take Jabari Small until it, he knew it was going to get big O, and then all of a sudden he changed his tune. Um, you know, But you know, Jabari Small has really come on strong. Uh, Tyon Evans, uh, Jalen Wright, uh, I, I continue to think that D Beckwith is going to get a look there uh, until, uh, until you know, told otherwise. So, I mean, in this offense, I don't think you have to have a stable of, you know, six or seven backs. I think you need three to four he's easily got three to four. So, yeah, lost a – who, who was, it was a loss. and They lost, you know, Ty Chandler for his final year of eligibility. Um, and, of course, Cody Brown, you know, asked for a release. But I think Tennessee's still sitting good with a lot of talent at, at, at tailback.
0: All right. Uh, last couple of ones before we get out the, the door here. What was the net the result of the coaching and AD changes in terms of buyouts, old salaries versus new salaries? We hit a little bit on what Coach Fulmer was making. I don't have the final numbers. I know Tennessee owes – Central Florida, like six million dollars for taking Danny White and Josh Heupel. Um, obviously, they're trying not to pay Jeremy Pruitt the twelve million dollars they owe Jim Chaney one point six. Uh, they're going to owe uh, Winky four fifty. Yeah, uh, Winky four fifty. They're going to owe Kevin Steele nine hundred thousand dollars, or just shy of nine hundred well, thousand dollars. But I mean, might, the guy did a lot of work. They might the did a lot of work. They might, they might pay T. Martin uh, when it's all said and done. I mentioned <laughs> I mentioned Chaney. Uh, the price tag on that thing is going to be um, somewhere between probably seven and a half and $10 million to, to, to pay people not to coach, basically, is what it boils down to, and to hire um, and, and to get the buyouts for, for Tennessee's new head football coach and Tennessee's athletics director.
2: So, Hover, outside of – I mean, between, tennis, between the University of Tennessee and Austin Price, how much money has been injected into the Orlando area, into the Orlando economy in, in the last
0: year? Well, they could finish that lazy river at Central Florida now. I can promise you that with the money that Tennessee is going to write them a check,
1: six million from uh, you know Tennessee, and then very little from me this Rob, this year, Rob, because of COVID. That's unfortunate. Be- speaking of everybody's want, I'm well, just happy tell kingdom story. has missed you. I'm going to tell this story here on the podcast since we have you know a few minutes left. Um, everybody wanted to know who cussed me out of Disney World, so uh, that was Jay Graham, and the reason Jay cussed me out was because. Hubs put it out there that Jay had COVID, and Jay had not told his dad or anybody else that he had COVID at the time. And I knew that Jay had COVID because he had asked me not to say anything, but Hubs found out on his own and reported it. And, of course, Jay felt like I had told Hubs, and beep, then he came beep, back and apologized beep, later beep. that day.
0: That's the sound of Austin Price backing the bus up over someone. beep, beep, wow. beep. Oh Look at that! So, just, after the fact, I'm just kidding. You. While, so, he so, tea, while he was in a while
2: he was in a teacup, however. So yes,
1: th- there you go. That there, there, there's there, there's the answer to that question from two months ago. That, that was Jay Graham, who again came back and apologized uh, later that day, but it was still funny nonetheless.
0: Rob, what do you think this basketball team's ceiling is in this tournament? Oh
2: my God! I mean, I, I, don't, <laughs> I don't know. i really don't. I mean I go from thinking I mean they could lose in the they could lose to you know in a 5-12 game or I mean they could be the sweet 16 I mean I mean they could they could beat anybody they play outside of you know Gonzaga or Baylor in my opinion from the t- from teams I saw so I mean in ceiling I mean they could they could get to the final four if they play like they did last night for 3 weeks in a row but I mean does anybody think they're going to play that way? I mean I don't. I mean just, they just have they the the inconsistency of this team is beyond anything i've seen and i maybe it's covid related maybe it's just cuz it's a crazy year they had guys in and out they didn't have a preseason but when they play their absolute best i mean they could get they could get to the final four but i have absolutely no confidence they can do that for four or five games in a row if our rick Barnes –
1: I would have me in attendance every night. That he way that way, Victor Bailey can shoot the lights out. Um, you know, I, I, I mean, somebody said last night he's going to be a key. I think, I think Josiah James and Victor Bailey are guys that are going to determine Tennessee's fate because Josiah does so much on the periphery, whether it be rebounds or assists and, and stuff. And then Victor Bailey, Rob, he's going to shoot you in games and he's going to shoot you out of games. And it all depends on the night. And I, he's
2: going to continue to shoot it. To me, I, I mean, I think the I think the bigger deal last night was Fulkerson. I don't think Victor. He Victor ran. it. He was aggressive. Victor Bailey will never will never have an, another game like that in, in his life, in my opinion. Maybe but he's I'll, still going to shoot the ball. Maybe I look stupid in saying that, but Fulkerson can have a bunch of games like he had last night. I agree. Points seven to twelve from the floor. I mean, he doesn't need – he's not going to score 19 every nine out, but he was aggressive. He was running the floor. When he got the ball, he was confident. He looked to do things. That, to me, was the most encouraging thing about last night's game was Fulkerson by far. I mean, Bailey was great. He was phenomenal. But, I mean, he caught – to me, that was lightning in the bottle. Fulkerson is the more substantial thing. If he can do that consistently, then Tennessee's a much different team.
0: All right. Last one here or last two here. Blue Miss Ball wants to know who's going to recruit Nashville, Austin.
2: I don't know yet. That, you.
1: None of that
0: stuff's been decided. Did you say beside me? Besides <laughs> you. Um, who, who do you put in Nashville? I mean, you can't put Rodney Garner everywhere. We know that. No, you can't. What, what are you rolling? You're rolling Cody Burns? You're rolling Golisht? What are you rolling in Nashville?
1: I, I would roll I, I'm. – you're going to believe Jerry Mack in Memphis. I think it depends on who you hire in these final two spots. Um, you know, um, but I don't think there's going to be anybody with some heavy mid-state ties. So, yes – Cody Burns makes some sense, um, you know, because there are receivers there, especially in the 2022 class. Rolling your offensive coordinator over there, slash tight ends coach, uh, wouldn't be a bad thing. I think a lot of it depends, you know, how things shake out. I, I Rodney, will be in Atlanta now. He may venture into other areas, um, but he'll predominantly be based in Atlanta, in my
0: opinion. Yeah, I agree with that, and and I think you put multiple people in Nashville. I, I yeah. think it's really true up last year
1: is like no. T, T literally had Memphis and Nashville. Can't and that's it. unrealistic to have one yeah. guy in both those areas.
0: No, too, too many calls you have to make too, too many conversations you have to have on, on a regular basis. Uh, you can't neglect one city over the other because I think feelings get hurt pretty easily that way. Everybody knows everybody. So they know if you call one area and you're not calling another area, I think you got to have multiple multiple people uh, involved in, in that in that situation there. So final question out of the gate here, as we wrap up the mailbag edition of uh, the podcast. And that is um, where did I go with this question? Offensive skill guy on the roster. Who's not played regularly that you think has the most upside if developed and coach this guy says the Jimmy holiday come to mind. I I think, I think I'm most intrigued to see what Evans looks like who just arrived at the running back position. And then I want to see how Malachi Weidman, fits into this offense? What can they get out of Malachi Weidman? Is it as easy of an offense to learn as they all want to act like it is? And can they? what kind of production can they get from Weidman? Because to me, he's the guy who can take the top off of it, and we know they want to stretch the field vertically. He back with.
1: Because he's he, he's versatile. Where, where, where can they find a home for him? And maybe they move him all around and use him in a number of different places.
2: Yeah, but for me, it's just, let I mean, hover you talk, in any of those three – so going to be sophomore wide receivers that we can see a lot of live and Callaway holiday. Any, any three of those guys are the ones I'm most intrigued about.
0: All right. That's going to do it for this edition of the blue water climate control volquest.com podcast for Rob Lewis and Austin price. I'm Brent hubs. Thanks for joining us. Have a great rest of your Thursday, everybody.